Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Y'all ready for 2021? I, um, as we were singing that song, there's, there's a lot of people in the room this morning, and it's not just the obvious stuff that 2020 brought that you're carrying into 2021, but there's, there's a new crop of stuff, whether it's health-related, financial-related, uh, relationship-related. And this morning, some of you, you really are asking the question, if God really is who I've always thought he was, then why isn't he doing something? And I just, I, I feel like the biggest thing that I can do this morning is to encourage you, um, and I am in just a moment, but to encourage you um, to make church in 2021 a priority for you. Um, not that God moves based on your church attendance, but some of your faith is hanging on by a thread. And if you fall out of that habit and you miss coming to church and being with people to encourage you, then your faith is gonna, is gonna fall off. And so make, make church in 2021 a habit. Make that a New Year's goal, a New Year's resolution. If you're watching online, thank you so much for watching online. We love that you watch online, but try to, try to get here. That would be my encouragement to you. If, if at all possible, be in the building and make, make, this, uh, make this a habit. Uh, Pastor Scott will be back next Sunday, and we're going to take a look for the first three weeks of the year, um, looking at different habits and how we, how we organize habits, how we get habits, how we end habits. And um, I... I was, we were sitting in here at run through this morning and I looked at, it was actually this chair right here. And I looked and I thought, for some reason I, I had this thought, not necessarily about that particular chair, but about the empty chairs in the room this morning. And every empty chair that you see in the room this morning represents a missed opportunity for somebody's broken life to be put back together. And so my encouragement for you would be don't be a spectator either. Don't just come, but bring somebody with you. People need encouragement. Invite them to watch online. That's a great starting place is watching online. Invite them to watch online and invite them into the building. Drag them, offer them lunch, whatever you have to do. Kidnap them. I mean, it's totally okay as long as you're bringing them to church. Um, but there are broken people out there. And as I, as I wander around, during the week and I see people and I have conversations and I talk to people, there's broken people and the, the seat that's beside you needs to be filled. Um, people, people need it. People need to know that, that God really does care about them. Um, so for the past few years, um, yeah, I'm gonna start out with a Riley story. Because I haven't preached in like three weeks, so four weeks, it's gotta be, right? For the past few years, uh, We've taken Riley at least once a month to get allergy shots. Anybody ever had allergy shots? Also known as insurance-covered torture. Uh, we've taken him for at least once a month for the past few years to, to get allergy shots. And he started when he was about three or, three or four. And 
I say that, but he hasn't really gotten any better with wanting the allergy shots. Like you would think that as you get used to it, it would like, wouldn't hurt anymore. It wouldn't traumatize him like it did when he was three or four, but it still does. He's maybe gotten a little better, but I think it's just because we've held him down and threatened enough or bribed him enough on the other side. Listen, I'm totally okay with bribing my child, okay? Can, parents, can y'all just say that bribery sometimes is the best form of parental care? So he's, maybe he's gotten a little better, but not, not, a, not a ton better. But he was about three or four years old. It was when he had just first started. He's, he's really allergic to dogs. He's really allergic to cats. He's really allergic to, to grass and dust. But dogs and cats are the biggies. But when he first started getting allergy shots, he would always dread getting these allergy shots on the way. He would just go ahead and start pitching a fit. Well, once we got into the doctor's office, Riley is, is, a, is a good kid. But if you know him, he's full of energy, we'll say. And so when it gets to be his time to get the shots, he immediately begins crying. He's three or four years old. He immediately begins crying. He begins to fight. And one of the agreements that I've made with him over the years is his mom and I have told him, listen, you can cry because it hurts, but you're not going to pitch a fit and act like a hooligan right here in front of the nurse. Okay. And so but at the very beginning, he would, he would pitch a fit. One time, literally, he gets up, starts to run out of the office door, and I catch him right before he exits the door. And so this one particular time, he's, he's, really, he's really fighting, and he's, I'm holding him, I'm holding him down, he's kicking, he, he, he's screaming, and he, he keeps asking questions. Daddy, what, what, are, what are they about to do? Daddy, why, let me down. Daddy, can I, can I go to the bathroom? Daddy, Daddy, I really have to go to the bathroom. Meanwhile, I'm trying to hold him down as they're getting this shot ready. And then finally... He's kicking, he's screaming, and he looks up at me, tears in his eyes, and he says, Daddy, do you even care that they're hurting me? So I said, forget this, we're going to get ice cream. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but he looks at me, he says, Daddy, do you even, do you even care that, that they're hurting me? And you, know, and you know what? It's a good question, right? Because what do, you, what do you do when someone who's supposed to love you doesn't do anything when something's hurting you? What do you, what do, you do when the person that you thought was going to protect you is actually holding you down so that you can experience good pain. I mean, it's a good question because I'm his dad. I literally could have said, forget this, we're going to get ice cream, right? I could, have, I could have stopped the nurse. I could have ran out the door. I could have taken him home. I could have taken him to Chuck E. Cheese. There's a lot of different things that I could have done. After all, I'm his protector. I'm his father. I want what's best for him. It doesn't make any sense. Daddy, why are you letting them hurt me? Let's be honest. Have you ever thought about that? asking God that question. We have times where we think, God, God, don't you, don't you care this, that this is hurting me? God, God, don't you care that I'm lonely? God, God don't, don't you care that I'm concerned that everybody around me is going to get sick? God, aren't you, don't, don't, don't you care that, that, that I've lost my job and it's been months now since I've even gotten a phone call back? It's a fair question, isn't it? God, don't you care that I'm overwhelmed? God, don't you care that I feel trapped? God, don't you care that they said that about me? God, don't you care that my marriage is falling apart and I've done everything I know to do? God, don't you care that I'm still hurting and I'm still concerned about that health thing that I've been going through and I still don't have any answers? God, don't you care? 
It's a fair question, isn't it? Let's be honest. Don't act holy on me. You've asked God, God, don't you care? That's my title this morning is God, don't, God, don't you care? Don't you care that I'm going through this? Don't you care that it hurts? I'm going to be in Mark 4. Mark 4, and to kind of give you some context for, for what's going on here in, in the passage we're about to read, Jesus has been teaching about faith. He's been teaching some parables, and a parable is, is a story that Jesus would make up. Um, it wasn't a true story, but it was a story that he would, he would make up that would get a lesson across, but it would be based on a, on a real idea, on something that really could, really could happen. And so he's been teaching a mass group of people in Mark 4. He's been using those, those parables. The disciples have actually been present while he's been telling these stories and teaching these people. And then he decides he wants to teach his disciples a really special lesson. In Mark 4, starting in verse 35, this is what it says. It says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. So this is a five-mile trip to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee was a little wider than that, but the part that they're in right here, it's a five-mile trip to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus wants to go to a region that he is mostly, at this point, he is unknown in. And so Jesus asked them to help him make this five-mile journey to the other side. Have you ever felt like God asked you to go to the other side? Have you ever had that feeling like, like God asked you to do something that you weren't really comfortable with, like Pastor Brian talked about last week? Have you ever had that feeling that, that God asked you to take a step out of your comfort zone? Like maybe, maybe God called you into something that was confusing when you had been for a very long time in a place that you knew. Maybe it was a job, maybe it was a family situation. Have you ever felt like you had to go to the other side, like Jesus called you to the other side? Maybe he called you to take a step of faith Maybe it was a business decision. Maybe it was a relational decision. Have you ever felt like Jesus asked you to go over to the other, the other side? Jesus says, disciples, will you take me to the other side? And so the disciples welcome Jesus into their boat and they start to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus had been teaching his disciples, they had been present as he's teaching the crowds. Jesus has been teaching his disciples with his words. And now Jesus is going to give them a chance to actively do what they've been hearing him teach. Some of us this morning, as we head into 2021, what you really need watching online and in this room this morning is you don't necessarily need, and I almost don't want to even say this because don't hear me wrong, you still need the Bible and God's word, but you don't necessarily need a new lesson. You need to begin to practice what you already know. Most of us are, are educated enough, whether it be spiritually or whether it just be common sense wise, most of us are educated enough at this point. We just need to start putting into practice what we already know. Some of you, you don't need to hear another sermon before you finally do that thing that you know God has been asking you to do for a long time. 
Some of you, you don't need to read the Bible anymore before you start giving, giving faithfully financially to this church. Some of you, you don't need another lesson. You need to start practicing what you already know. And 2021 has to be the year that you begin to do what you've always known you had to do. These disciples are getting an opportunity. They've been hearing Jesus teach, and now they're going to get an opportunity to actually do what he's been teaching them to do. And it says they took Jesus just as he was. They say, let's go over to the other side. And it says that they took Jesus just as he was. How many of y'all are really good at trying to make Jesus into who you want him to be when you need it? Anybody? Like, I, 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 I do pretty good until I get in a, in a tough spot and then sometimes I try to like reform Jesus into who I want him to be. Or, or for some of us this morning, we do really good as long as we're in church, as long as we're watching online, we do really good following Jesus. But when, when we get into an environment where it's not necessarily easy to follow Jesus, we kind of change who we are and try to make Jesus into something that, that, that he's, he's not. It says they took Jesus just as he was. And for some of us, the struggle with that is that you haven't been taking your life just as Jesus wants it to be. You've been comparing yourself to other people. And one of the biggest struggles in life, if you don't take Jesus as he is and allow him to do the thing in your life that he wants to do and allow him to take the race that, you, that he wants you to run and allow him to lead it, one of the biggest things is you'll begin to compare your life and what God is doing in your life to what he's doing in theirs. And for many of us this morning, I would almost bet that many of you this morning your faith is shaken and it's not because God's not working in your life. It's because he's working in someone else's in a way that you wish he would work in yours. We've got to take Jesus as he is. Your race is not their race. Their race is not your race to run. We've got to take Jesus as he is. And in a world and a culture of comparison, this is killing a lot of our faith because God, don't, don't you care? Well, God cares, but he's not going to call you to run the same race that he calls somebody beside you. You have a different life. You have different people that he wants you to impact. You have different family members. You have a different race to run. It says they took Jesus just as he was, and they started a journey to the other side. Verse 37 says, a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over, broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Now this cushion was a cushion that was reserved for the guest of honor in the boat. It was positioned in a way so that the guest of honor would not be splashed when the waves came over the boat. And so Jesus is there, he's asleep. And it says, the disciples woke him up and said to him, teacher, don't, say it with me, you care. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? So, so see if this sounds familiar, okay? Jesus asked his disciples to go to the other side. He asked them to take a step to welcome him into their lives, to go to the other side of the water. They've been hearing Jesus teach. They have an opportunity to put it into practice. They've welcomed him into their lives. They get 
on their way to where Jesus is asking them to go, and then the storm comes. Does that sound familiar to you? How many times have you thought, Jesus, I tried to do it your way, and it doesn't work? How many times have you thought, Jesus, I welcomed you into my life. I accepted you as my savior. I welcomed you into my life. I tried to start giving. I tried to start reading my Bible. I tried to have better relationships. I tried to quit, but now the storm's coming. And to make matters worse, Jesus is on the front of the boat asleep. Have you ever felt that? Jesus, I've done everything I know. Like I'm I'm trying here. But now when I need you the most, you're asleep on a cushion in the front of the boat. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever thought that? And, and, and here's the thing. This had to be infuriating for the disciples because they can see Jesus. They know Jesus is in the boat. They know he's right there, but yet he's not doing anything and they're about to die, they think. You know, In any relationship, the part where the relationship will often unravel is not when somebody's not present, but when they don't seem like they're into the relationship. Isn't it? Like you can have a husband and wife. They can still be there, but totally checked out of the relationship. And that's when it begins to to unravel. So the, the, the disciples, they see Jesus in the boat. But yet when they need him the most, this is early, this is early on in their discipleship-ism. Should have said that quick so y'all would think I knew what I was talking about. This is early on in their, in their following of Jesus. And they're being taught a lesson, but they don't realize that yet. You know, for, for many of us this morning, the thing that is shaking your faith It's not that you doubt that God is there. It's that you doubt he cares. The thing that's about to make you give up or the thing that's keeping you up at night or the thing that has made you cry too many tears to count is not that you don't believe God is there. It's that you believe he's there, but he doesn't even care. For most of us in this room, not all, but for most of us in this room, you know that there's a God or at least something bigger than you. Like you can look at the stars in the sky or you can watch a baby being born. I don't know how you can watch a baby being born and not realize there is a God. Or maybe you've had some situations happen to you or some people that were close to you where you thought there's no way that can be coincidence. And so the struggle for many of us this morning sitting in this room and watching online isn't the fact that you don't believe God exists. It's even worse that you believe he exists but does not act on your behalf. And if Satan can't convince you that there is no God, he will convince you that there is a God but he doesn't care about you. It'll shake your faith more than, more than anything. Because just before this, Jesus is teaching a mass of people about 
faith. But now the disciples are in a situation, they're in this boat, the storm is coming and their situation doesn't line up with what they've just been listening to Jesus teach. Sound familiar? Like you can talk about how big God is, but my life, it doesn't feel like it. Does that sound familiar? And the quickest way to doubt the love and care of God is to think you know what's best. Because the reason the disciples are are panicking at this point is because they don't realize that Jesus is about to take them to a place that they would have never chosen to go on their own, but a place that they need to go. And some of you this morning, it's not that God has checked out of your life. It's that you think you know what's best for your life when Jesus is trying to teach you a bigger, deeper lesson. And he knows that if you had to choose, you wouldn't choose it. But he's teaching you something. He's building something inside of you. He's growing something inside of you. Do y'all think we count down the entire week before, aller- before Riley's allergy shots? No, we don't tell him ahead of time. We literally pick him up on Friday and we literally go to the allergist. We don't warn him ahead of time because why? Because he would never choose to go and he would be miserable if he knew where he was about to go into. But we as his parents, because we love him, not because we don't, are willing to let him go through it because we know what's best. He doesn't. And some of you this morning, you're doubting, you're, you're, you're doubting your faith. You're doubting everything you've known. And the reason is, is because you think you know what's best for you. And the disciples are like, Jesus, are you, gonna, are you just going to sit here? Are you going to let us drown? I mean, this is a strong storm. And how do I know? Because the disciples are fishermen. But yet they feel like they're about to die. I mean, these, these people in the boat this day, they're not average folks who have never seen a heavy wave. They're not you on a cruise boat that hits a storm. These are disciples. They're used to storms. They know that the Sea of Galilee is known for heavy, quick storms that come up really quickly. They know that, but yet they are still panicking. This is real. Your situation, your storm is real. And I'm not going to deny that this morning. But I just want you to see that even though the storm is real, God still cares. I think it's interesting that most people believe that Peter was the main source of the gospel of Mark. And Peter's in this boat this day. If you know anything about the book of Mark, the book of Mark is is known for fast-paced action. It's the shortest of the gospels. And so it's kind of known to, there's a lot of quick movement of Jesus's activity because Mark's like, hey, let's get to the point. And most people believe that Mark wrote his gospel based off of what Peter taught and what Peter said. And I think it's interesting that one of the places Mark goes into some detail here is about the storm. And I can't help but wonder, it's because Peter was literally scared to death and literally thought that Jesus was gonna let them die. Your storm is real to you. And I want you to know that Jesus doesn't enjoy your storm. He's sympathetic towards your storm. But he also knows more than you know. He's there and he cares. 
So y'all, most of y'all know how it ends, but if you don't, y'all wanna see how it ends? Verse 39 says he got up. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Quiet, be still. The literal translation there is be muzzled. Quiet, shut up. Wind, waves, shut up, quit. It says, then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? He got up. And I believe that God brought some of you into this building this morning. He got somebody to click on this online. And he wants me to tell somebody this morning that yes, the pain is real. Yes, you've been asking him to take it away for what feels like years. Yes, it hurts. You're overwhelmed. You are scared out of your mind, but you can't tell anybody because you have to be strong for everyone around you. Somebody this morning, you, you, you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. You're sick of trying to manage everything you have to manage and trying to play it off like it's not a big deal. Somebody this morning, I want you to know that yes, you're tired of worrying about family members. You're tired of having to go to bed at night wondering if that aging parent is gonna make it to the next morning. Some of you, you're tired of going to bed at night praying that your child would come home at some point during the night forget curfew you're just praying they come home there's somebody in the room this morning and you need to hear that yes the storm is raging but we serve a God who always 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 gets up he always gets up he always has he has always gotten up. He's always gotten up for his people. Go back to the very beginning of the Bible, Adam and Eve. Very beginning, Genesis, they took a step out of the thing that God wanted for them. And what does God do? He makes skins for them out of an animal to cover their shame. Fast forward, Noah, everybody on the earth, there was literally the entire world was corrupt, but God found one man named Noah to save the human race, foreshadowing what Jesus would later do. Look at Abraham. He and Sarah are 100 years old. Your reproductive organs aren't supposed to work at 100 years old, but because God made him a promise, he still came through. Look at Jesus. Finally, God said, it's enough. I've got to be in communion. I've got to have a relationship with my people. And so he sent Jesus who would, who would live a perfect sinless life as the ultimate substitute for our sinful life. He would die on a cross willingly. And then three days later, what would he do? He got up. Because Jesus will always get up. He is there. And this morning, I want you to hear that he cares. He always gets up. He always 
He always has. You know, ultimately in this passage, there's the storm that's raging on the outside of the boat, but there's a hidden storm in this passage that we don't read directly about. But I have to imagine that while the storm is raging and before Jesus, is, Jesus gets up, there's, there's a storm raging inside of these disciples. And the only reason I mention that is because for some of you, you're thinking, my life is in, in pretty good shape. But my question to you is, is there a hidden storm raging inside of you? Do you have thoughts, insecurities, bitterness? Sure, your life may look put together on the outside. You may have enough money to pay the bills. Nobody may be sick in your immediate family, but is there a hidden storm? Is there a hidden storm that rages on the inside of you? And it's almost worse because no one can see that storm. No one can start a GoFundMe account for that storm that's inside of you. Is there a storm inside of you that you need to know this morning just as much as those exterior storms that God still cares about that storm inside of you. And he wants to heal that just as much as he wants to heal those storms on the outside of us. So the disciples' response to Jesus is one that I really want us to, to dive into just a little bit because I think it puts a bow on this story. And as I was praying about this and, and, and how I could bring all of this together, this, this, is, this is what God said, and, and, I, and I pray that I can show it to you the same way that he showed me. This is what it says. It says, verse 41, the disciples react, and it says, they were terrified, with each, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this? That is their moment of realizing that Jesus does indeed care. How? The disciples in this moment could have asked a whole host of questions. They ask each other, who is this? But they could have asked a whole host of questions. I have a better list of questions that I would have asked at this moment after Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and the waves. I have a list of questions I would have asked starting with Jesus, what were you doing? <laughs> or, cool party trick, Jesus, teach us. Or, how about, Jesus, what took you so long? How was your snooze? The disciples have a lot of questions that, that they could have, have running through, through their mind right, right here, but their, their question is, is to each other, it's, it's, it's who is this? And the reason why I believe they ask each other, who is this? Is because they had just understood another level, level of his character. They had just understood, yeah, this is the man we've been followed. We've been following. We've seen him heal people. We've seen him teach, but this is a man that cares about us. And the only way they would have gotten to see how much Jesus cares is through the storm. I want you to know this morning that God has enough power for the thing, power for the thing that paralyzes you. God has enough faithfulness for every one of your darkest fears. It's in his character. He cares. It's one thing to see Jesus heal some people. It's one thing to see him do some miracles. But when you know, when you know and when you see it and you know for a fact that he's willing to do it on your behalf, 
changes everything, doesn't it? I can see God working the people around me. I can see what he did for my family member. I can see what he did for somebody else. I can hear the stories. I can see a testimony video. I can, I can read the Bible and I can see some really cool stories of how he calmed storms, how he parted seas. I can see some really cool stories. But when he does it for me, it's different. It changes everything. And so the disciples say, who is this? Because they finally get it. This isn't just a man with incredible power, but it's a man with incredible care. It's not just a man who, who's, who's, who's able to perform miracles, but it, it's a man who's, who's, who's willing to love me right where I am. The disciples say, who is this? Who is this? We thought this guy was just, a, was just somebody who, we were impressed by, but now we see that he loves us, that he cares. Last month, I was reading through the book of, of Hebrews, and I think Pastor Scott mentioned this passage a few weeks ago, but I was reading through the book of Hebrews, which I would encourage you to do. It's kind of like reading a hug. But I came across this verse, and my iPad's doing something funky, so I'm not even gonna look at it. But I came across this verse, And it really opened my eyes to, to who Jesus is on my behalf. This is what Hebrews 4.15 says. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. You see, Jesus empathizes with your pain. He empathizes with your storm. And that right there is not just an all-powerful God. That is an all-caring God. He empathizes with you. He doesn't just stand off and sit in his, on his heavenly throne and think, I'll let them take care of it. It'll eventually be over. He doesn't look at one of the angels and say, hey, watch this. I'm gonna let them suffer for a while before I come down and do something about it. No, that's not who our God is. That's not who Jesus is. He is a loving father, able to empathize with our pain, having gone through the same struggles, the same turmoil, the same the same disgust, the same issues that we go through, yet he did not sin. He made a way for us because he did not sin. He made a way for us to be forgiving for our sins. And on top of that, he is able to empathize. He sympathizes, he empathizes with you and he will get up because he is not just there asleep in your boat, but he cares about your life. And when the time comes, he will get up and you will see a new, level of the character of Jesus and you'll be able to see that this isn't just a man who's asleep on a cushion reserved for a guest like a hoity-toity guest but this is a man who's willing to get his hands dirty on my on my behalf a couple of months ago we we ask uh, the allergist, we ask him, do you think Riley's ever gonna be able to have a dog? Besides his stuffed dog that he calls Bark and 
celebrates his birthday and that kind of thing. But I said, do you ever think that he'll ever be able to have a dog? And the allergist looked at us and said, yeah, he's on track for it. Something Riley would have never chosen. because I'm his father. I know it's worth it. This morning, I don't know. I don't know what your storm is. I don't know if it's on the inside. I don't know if it's on the outside. I don't know if it's something people can see or if it's thoughts that you have or the way you were raised or your short bank account. I don't know if it's a diagnosis that you've received or a diagnosis you haven't. And you're scared. You don't, you don't know what they're going to say. Maybe you've been told there's can't really do anything right now. I don't know what your storm is, but I want you to know that you can leave it in the hands of God.